0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen-hundred-dollar first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic.
1: The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off.
2: Hello, I'm Ian Stone and this is Hand Break Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. The Premier League is back up and running, thank Evans. And we'll of course look back on the excellent 3-1 win over West Ham on Boxing Day. That is the 26th of December to those of you not listening in Australia, New Zealand or Canada. Uh, just to let you know, there was a question in a Christmas cracker asking which country is celebrated Boxing Day. And those are the only ones, the only other ones that do. And I didn't want people to feel left out. Anyway, uh, we'll also celebrate the fact that Arsene Wenger came back to the Emirates for the first time since he resigned as manager. And what a lovely moment that was. Uh, we're joined by James McNicholas and Adrian Clark uh, Happy holidays, as the kids say.
1: <laughs> Thanks Ian,
2: Hello. same to you. Yeah, nice to see you. And it was a happy holidays as well. And of course, we'll get to that before we get going uh two academy graduates helped arsenal come from behind to win against west ham if you could add one arsenal academy graduate from the past into the current team who would you choose i mean to be fair all academy graduates are sort of from the past now aren't they (laughs) if they've come through but i know what he means the guy our producer wrote this question but uh, i think it's fair enough um Adrian, is there anyone in this team you'd want to replace at the moment? And if (laughs) there is, who?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and let's not turn it into a negative. Uh, I I wouldn't want to replace anyone from the other night because it was a brilliant performance. Uh, And we'll get to that, won't we? But I think in in our situation with Gabriel Jesus out in in the short term... We do need a striker, and that's where my eyes are sort of drawn here. There's a temptation to go Tony Adams because he, he was an unbelievable academy graduate, and his leadership would would surely drive us drive us home to the title potentially. So there's an argument for that, but the one I've gone for is actually it actually predates me, and it's and it's Andy Cole. I think that Andy Cole would be dynamite in this current team. It his was. movement. But most of all, his finishing, obviously, we all saw what, what he did after he left Arsenal. Newcastle United and Manchester United scored bundles of goals and was just just such a great instinctive finisher. And I think that his movement and his just general sharpness would fit in with this group. And I think that he would be uh, an excellent player to convert the many chances that we're creating. So, yeah, Andy, Andy Cole gets the nod for me.
2: What an excellent Excellent choice, James. I By the way, I was reading some stats of his. He was, uh, before 21, he was better than anyone. I mean, mm. absolutely anyone. I like the fact, uh, James, that Adrian has gone for, essentially, someone practical that we actually need. Uh, I, I haven't done that myself, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest, but what have, what have you, I know, I, I I now I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, we need a striker, we should have gone for. But anyway, what have you got, James?
3: I was thinking along similar lines, actually. I I thought about Andy Cole. I went for another attacking player, someone who's maybe a bit more versatile, who can play on the flanks or has played through the middle as well. And I went for Serge Gnabry. So quite a recent academy product, really. Still playing, in fact. So maybe we can make it happen. But uh, yeah, I just think, you know, he would be a good complement to the existing attackers we've got in the squad and give us a bit of a boost in that area even if he's not a conventional centre forward he has played as a kind of false nine in the past for Germany and for Bayern so he could do a job I think
2: one of the many that got away Serge Gnabry we liked Mm -hmm. him and he looked great didn't he for a couple of years he destroyed Tottenham didn't he in the Champions League and we'd always uh, appreciate anyone who can do that I've gone a bit further back actually I've gone for Liam Brady I mean he was my first Arsenal hero And um, I'm not quite sure how old he was when he came over, but he was a young kid. uh, And he obviously did play for the youth and um, came through. And um, yeah, I wasn't quite old enough for Charlie George, but Liam Brady for me. I I just think that he would be an incredible addition uh, to the squad. Uh, Left footed, he could fill it out wide and Gabriel Martinelli can come inside. There's a lot of different options I think I've just named one there but anyway uh, there probably are plenty of others anyway I'm having Liam Brady Um, I'm sure you've got some as well I almost had Cesc Fabregas just for the hell of it because he he did I mean he was only what 16 did he play in the academy or or does that count? I don't
1: know if it counts does it I don't know he didn't go to Hale-End did he?
2: And no, I suppose no. that's true. I'm not sure Hayland even existed when Liam Brady was playing. I think it was just a patch didn't. Of waste It didn't down. exist
1: when I played. No, it was <laughs> it was the centre of excellence. We used to train the clock end behind the goal in an astroturf, astroturf sort of dome. Um, yeah, it was um, much I played more five basic. Side in there. Did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know exactly what it was like then. Yeah, it yes. was a lovely, lovely astroturf pitch. But compared to what they've got at End these days, it's it was a little bit basic, I guess, but um, we enjoyed it.
3: Enchantier, oh, magnificent, irresistible from Arsenal.
2: Arsenal three, West Ham one. Um, Arsenal won ten consecutive Premier League home games for the first time since April 2019. First time they've done so while scoring two plus goals each time since November 2017. I mean, there are loads of stats. Best start to a season for Arsenal F.C. ever. 40 points out of 45 blimey Adrian I mean they've just sort of picked up where they left off haven't they
1: yeah I think that's what was the most pleasing aspect of this performance of victory was that it could have just followed up that Wolves win couldn't it at Molyneux that, that was forever ago it, it was as if the team just immediately clicked back together I know that we were losing at half time but I was on air doing the breakdown live and I said look I know know that I work, I said this to the studio audience, I know I work for Arsenal and you might expect me to be positive, but if we were playing bad, I would tell you we're playing bad, but we're not. This is is really good. Uh, And if we play as well in the second half, we'll win the game. And that's exactly what we did. We actually turned out to play a little bit better in that second period. Yeah, I thought the movement, the combination play, the relentlessness of our domination of West Ham was was a joy to behold really. And um, this is not an easy team to break down. We know that David Moyes is ultra defensive and ahead of kickoff, away from home, they'd only conceded more than one goal once this season at West Ham and that was at Chelsea where they lost 2-1. So for us to get three and to come from behind to do it, it just ticks so many boxes. I would rather we would have won this way. Than hammered them 5-0 because I think it gives the players even more belief and even more confidence that they can handle the challenges that lie ahead. It, it was fantastic, I thought.
2: Yeah, we are relentless at the moment, James. Um, I mean, obviously Saka and Martinelli, every time they get the ball, they run at the defenders. It must be a nightmare to play against them. But let's talk about um Eddie Nketiah. He is Gabriel uh, Jesus is replacement, essentially. But essentially, he's now our first team striker and I just can't tell you how pleased I was when he turned and scored that goal. I mean, it was just a joyous moment, wasn't it?
3: It was a big moment. I think it was a big moment for player who will have been thinking about this game for a good few weeks. You know, as soon as he knew Gabriel Jesus was injured, he knew an opportunity was coming for him. And I think you know, although he's a very confident boy, Eddie, there is a bit of pressure attached to that. So scoring that goal will have helped him, I think, as well. It's quite a big goal for the fans because. The supporters are rightfully and justifiably worried about how this team will cope without Jesus. He's played every Premier League game up until this point and been so important in what we've done. But I think it's really reassuring to see Eddie score a goal of that quality. And, you know, when you think about when he was 18, 19, coming through as a teenager, he was all about the penalty box and and we saw that in that goal. But I do think he deserves credit for the way in which he's really worked to round out his game. And he's a very different forward now to what he was five years ago when he was playing in the academy and could afford to just play on the last line of the defence and mop up those goals. He drops deep and he did a lot of that against West Ham, dropping into midfield, creating overloads, doing combination play, allowing Martinelli and Saka to be the guys on the last line. And that's really developed, and I think particularly under Mikel Arteta. So I was very happy for Eddie, and I hope it gives him a lot of confidence over what is a, a really important run of games where he's going to be starting.
2: He is. Adrian, he's a Halen boy, right? All he ever wanted to do was lead Arsenal's attack and score big goals in big games. That I mean, it was just—it must have been really a realization of a dream for him.
1: I think. Well, he's had good moments before. This wasn't the, you know, the first big contribution he's made. But I think James is right. There was so many eyes on him, so much pressure. Yeah. So for him to deliver that goal and that type of goal will feel very special, I think. And it, more importantly, it gives him that confidence to kick on over the next few few games. And to, and to hopefully deliver even more. People forget as well how rusty he must be in Premier League terms. Hadn't started a Premier League match this season. I think he had 12 sub-appearances totaling around 140 minutes. You know, so playing at that level is, is, is not something he's been that familiar with for a long time. But it didn't, it didn't look like that, did it? I just think it's spatial awareness has improved so much. He sort of looks around him now. He'll let the ball run across his body at the right times. He'll hunt defenders down as well. We saw a little bit of pressing, the kind that we, we've we grown to love for, from Gabriel Jesus. He looked stylistically really similar, didn't he? Yeah. To the Brazilians. So and that's that's the highest compliment I can I can pay him. I, even if he hadn't scored in this game, right, and we'd have won it 2-1, um, I think I would still be sitting here waxing lyrical about Eddie's performance. I think he still played no, but very you're- well.
2: Adrian, you're a rational person. There's a lot (laughs) of irrationality out there. I saw, you know, he missed a chance against Juventus in a friendly Mm. and Twitter went off. Now, obviously, Arsenal Twitter is not the best in terms of just judging the mood, of the wider mood. But, you know, I I think a goal in this game was hugely important just to let the fans back off because we've seen it before with our strikers. You look at Olivier Giroud uh, when he was at the club. Obviously, a completely different type of type of striker, but I'm not sure there were fans, some who sit very close to me, I must say, who didn't really trust him right from the start. And I sensed with Eddie that people might have been getting a bit frustrated with, with a couple of times when he didn't do quite what he should have done. And I'm just, I think a goal just takes the pressure off mm. him for a few days, or at least has a bit less pressure.
1: Yeah, there was one moment in the first half where we counterattacked. Brilliantly at pace. Turned defence into attack so quickly. And he was in a 1v1, wasn't he? With Should
2: have done better. Was it, was it
1: Craig you? Dawson? Yeah. And he, yes. He had him exactly where he needed to have him. 1v1. He was backpedalling. And all he really needed to do was sort of commit to it. And sort of draw, draw the defender in. Drag it to his left side. I think that was the best way to do it. Uh, and to strike it at goal. But he went for an early shot. It was a weak effort. And, and yeah... There were a lot of moans and groans around me as well at that time. But the roll, the turn, the finish, very accomplished, wasn't it? And that was, yeah, that was as good as anyone.
2: James, we said the other day, he's a better finisher than Jesus. I mean, he actually is a pure number nine, you know, fox in the box type striker. I mean, if things work out very, very well, he gets six or seven goals in the next 10 10 games. There is an option, is there not, to put Jesus wide and have Eddie starting through the middle.
3: Perhaps, but then you raise the question of who you're leaving out. I mean, Gabriel Martinelli <laughs> and Bukai Saka aren't doing too bad on those flanks. So, <laughs>
2: no, that's right, but if we want to challenge Manchester City, which I believe what this team is is what this team thinks they can do. Man City have a squad of 18. Riyad Mahrez doesn't start for them. You know, absolutely stunning talent. So th- there are going to be six or seven players who are world class. Hopefully, who are not going to get in the team. This is how this is how it goes at these mm-hmm. clubs.
1: But there will be times where where Saka and Martinelli might be out at the same time or one or the other smith Rowe, obviously we know he's had his injury problems so we might be short of wide players on occasion and in that in that scenario who would i use out what say we only had three fit first choice forwards or three first team level forwards available yeah i would go with eddie down the middle and, and yeah. jesus out wide because i think jesus does out wide better than eddie does but, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a choice that we make. Not with Saka and Martinelli and maybe <laughs> Mudrick, um later on in the season. So um, so we'll have to wait and see.
2: Exciting times. I just love the way you threw that in there. Maybe that's <laughs> 65 million quid. Although, obviously, that's not enough for Shakhtar at the moment. We have to be fair to them, apparently. Can we just have a moment just thinking about Martin Erdegaard in that game? I mean, I've got some stats for him. pass accuracy, I can't remember him giving the ball away once, but anyway, 81 touches, 60 passes, one possession seven times, won six duels, took six shots, that's the most on the pitch, Um, I don't know if that includes the assist for Saka, Uh, created the most chances on the pitch, and the nutmeg, of course, James, that was his best performance since he's come to the club.
3: It was certainly right up there. Uh, Yeah, it was one of the the most memorable I've seen from him. And actually, you know, I was watching the game and I was thinking about Gabriel Jesus and his absence. And, you know, one of the things we talk about with him is his quality on the ball, but the extent to which that's replicated off the ball. And you watch Odegaard and it's very, very similar in terms of his technical level with the ball at his feet. So fantastic, but... His work rate, his desire, his determination, his, his intelligence, I think, as well, in terms of when he presses and when he doesn't without the ball, is second to none. And this was a captain's performance. I think since he's taken that armband on, he's grown in presence, in responsibility. I think the only thing missing was a goal, and he was pretty close to getting it, actually, on the night. had a, a few decent shots, but it, it was a superb performance, capped by... That wonderful uh, kind of turn on the halfway line where he left two West Ham midfielders in his wake, a little kind of Cruyff nutmeg. It was, yeah, I mean, you know, there aren't enough superlatives really. He was... Fantastic on the night.
2: It got as big a cheer as the goal, didn't it, Adrian? I mean, it that, did. It was absolutely fantastic. The whole crowd rose to him.
1: I think I uh, yeah, I think I think made a noise when, when he did that as well. <laughs> just an involuntary reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was exciting. And yeah, i just echo what James says. I mean, there's not much more to add. I think- out of possession,
2: Adrian. That's what our, Mikel Arteta brought, brought up, how good he was out of possession. Getting the ball back. He won the ball a few times.
1: It's really, really important. Uh, it was a match where we dominated possession. We had 71%, I think, at half halftime. I'm not sure what it finished at, but, but it was a game where we, we had the bulk of the ball. But because West Ham are so well organised, because they're you know, very defensive in their mindset it's those turnovers when you can regain the ball inside the opposition half, it's as good as a great move. It's as good as a 10 pass move that slices the team open because from one tackle, from one piece of closing down, you get the same end result sometimes. And, and yeah, it's really, really important. And, and that's why he fits the team like a glove. That's why he was such a great signing. It's, He's not just a number 10. The number 10 luxury players don't really exist anymore. They certainly wouldn't exist in a in a Mikel Arteta team. You, you have to be able to, to hunt down and, and win the ball back. And he, he does that side of it as well as he does the, the creative bit. So, yeah, big fan of Martin Erdegaard. And I think that, yeah, look him. And I, I give Arsenal credit here because I didn't always see it when he was on that loan spell. I didn't didn't see what I'm seeing now. I thought he was maybe a little bit lightweight and maybe wasn't able to take games by the scruff of the neck, but he's grown into the role, hasn't he? And um, and Arsenal could see that.
2: Yeah, James, you mentioned in a piece that you wrote about the fact that we everyone had talked about um, Gabriel Jesus and you said this just before, but also people like Erling Haaland who hadn't played in the World Cup. And how rested he was. But no one mentioned Martin Erdegaard. And the fact that he's had six weeks to hone his skills as well. Do we underappreciate him? I mean, perhaps not after the weekend. But have we have we in the past underappreciated him?
3: I don't know. I think that's possible. Simply because I think one of the really positive things about this team. And one of the reasons that Gabriel Jesus' absence doesn't have to be a complete catastrophe. Is that the burden creatively and in terms of goal scoring is very much a shared one and I think I'm right in saying that Odegaard, Saka and Martinelli are kind of joint for top goal scoring in all competitions or at least they're within a goal of each other yes. and, and that tells you about, about the team really and about the fact that it has been a very sort of varied threat and varied contribution but I don't think any of us are underappreciating Odegaard or going to be underappreciating him for much longer because, on a technical level, you know, there are very few in the Premier League who are as good as him. And he's now complementing that with all those other aspects of the game. His, His presence on the pitch has really improved. He's dominating games, affecting games. And yeah, I think it's going to be hugely important that he didn't go to the World Cup. I mean, you know, there was a lot of concern over certain players' preparation, but his preparation would have been. Ideal. He's been with the club throughout, played all those friendly games, been at the Dubai training camp, and his focus has been consistent throughout. So I think we're right to expect big things from him in the second half of the season. While everyone else is winding down for Christmas, the Athletics Club podcasts are firing back up over the festive period to celebrate the return of domestic football. Catch Talk of the Devils, Handbrake Off, The Phil Hay Show, and all your favorite club shows None of that World Cup nonsense is behind us. All are free to listen to, of course, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day or night. Yep. courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to Michelob ultra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: We a bit uh, with the handbrake at time.
4: Hello, fellow handbrake offers. Hope you're all well and have had a great period of World Cup break and are enjoying being back in Planet Arsenal. Uh, just wanted to say hi and wish you all well. I'm um, still away, but uh, we'll be back. Looking forward to seeing the Arsenal in the flesh again pretty soon. I just wanted to share some thoughts on... The apparition, the sudden reappearance of Arsene Wenger at Arsenal the other day, which frankly blew me away. I think the main emotions were mainly of astonishment because I wasn't sure that we'd see that day, and also elation because knowing how much it would, you know, how much suffering and pain that he's carried with that wound, the things that were difficult for him to handle about his exit, feeling that there's a kind of closure there is really it would take a hard heart not to be pleased for him and for those who care for him and you know it's a moving moment because he's a huge part of this football club and as a human being as well he's someone that if you're ever lucky enough to be in his orbit he shares uh generosity wisdom kindness intelligence he's always been that way in my experience and I think it hurt to feel that he was hurting that way. It was really frustrating to feel that there was this chasm that felt unpassable in terms of his relationship with the club. And I'll be honest and say that I, I didn't really see this coming there. The signs weren't particularly there of a kind of mellowing. And it felt like a, a bridge that was so broken that it could never be repaired. So to, to see that that has happened is a blessing particularly for him, but also for the club. And fair play and well done to those people inside the club who I think have had to be very patient, very gentle in trying to slowly, slowly make the situation feel achievable. I hope that this indicates that uh, there's a new chapter for Arsene as far as the club is concerned, and that he, now that it's done, he can... um, reappear whenever he wants to really and uh, Mikel Arteta's made it clear he wants him around I think the players found it pretty inspiring Uh, and it's kind of joining the dots of history and the current and future ideas and aspirations for Arsenal it needs Arsene around as part of the picture and uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that the Cronkies and Arsene were all in the director's box together uh, on the same day Who knows what that means as a bigger picture, but I just hope to see a lot more of the boss lending out his expertise and just being supportive and being able to bask in the fact that this great love affair of his life with Arsenal is uh, back on a kind of track that hopefully makes everyone feel good. Right, catch you on the other side. Take care. Bye. This
2: is handbreak Off from The Athletic, Ian Stone, James McNicholas, Adrian Clark, and Amy Lawrence there with her thoughts on the return of one Mr. A. Wenger Esquire who came back to the Emirates for the first time since it all ended rather sooner than he'd hoped. I want to ask you this James, I felt a little bit worried at half time that when I heard that Arsene Wenger was there that he'd upset the karma of the whole thing, right? (laughs) Because we've all got our part to play, right? Uh, There are various other podcasts that are not happening because we don't want to (laughs) upset... The uh, What's going on? And I thought to myself, oh, Arsene's come. Maybe he should come at the end of the season when we've won the title. You know, do it that way, (laughs) rather than now. But it was lovely when the second goal went in and it cut to the camera cut to him and everyone started singing his name. And he looked genuinely moved by it.
3: Well, I would imagine he would be. It must have been a very significant moment for him, you know, four and a half years or so since he was last at the Emirates Stadium to take in a game. And there he was. And I have to be honest, I was surprised when I heard the news that he was uh, present at the game. It's something that had been talked about for a long time, but for various reasons, hadn't necessarily moved much closer. And then suddenly there he was. uh, It's
2: hard to get tickets now, though, isn't it?
3: Yeah, he must know somebody, I think. Because, it's you know, (laughs) or he's been on the ticket. He got lucky on the ticket exchange, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Right place, right time. But yeah, it was fantastic to see and it gave me a nice warm, fuzzy feeling about Arsenal again because I'll be honest, you know, during the World Cup, he made a few statements that I was a bit disappointed in and that left me feeling somewhat conflicted, but um, nice to be able to set that to one side and welcome him back to Arsenal and Uh, Yeah, I I know what you mean about half time. The the narrative kind of wrote itself in terms of a team dominating possession, but being undone by a defensive mistake. You could see all the introductions to pieces calling it uh, an unfortunate tribute to Arsene Wenger. But in the end, it was the kind of win he would have loved and seeing young attacking players shine and come to the fore. Eddie, I think he gave his debut as well. Mm. I think he would have thoroughly enjoyed that.
2: Quite. I mean, the players weren't told. Adrian, do you think that's the right move as well? Because I mean, Bukayo Saka was saying how he'd never met Arsene Wenger, and then he met him, and it's just a lovely photo of the two of them. It was the right move, wasn't it? Just to keep it quiet.
1: I think so. Yeah, you don't need to make a song and dance of it, and and obviously he was spotted, and and it was the right thing. It was, yeah, that moment was quite special when the, the camera panned to him. I think I'd seen it on social media earlier that he was there. People had been talking about it, but the majority of those inside the stadium wouldn't have seen that. And uh, for him to pop up on the screen and it was just an impromptu. And and it did give me goosebumps actually when, when the stadium was, was singing, you know, there's only one Arsene Wenger. It was, it was really loud and, and a powerful message. And I don't know, I think, I think it was kind of a significant moment for the club. Obviously we got the second half of the season coming up, a lot of pressure on us and, a lot of eyes on Arsenal. Can they can they keep it going? Just to have a figurehead like that sort of be there. The symbolism of it was was quite strong. I think um, that connection between the fans and and the players and the team is so important to Arteta. And I think chucking Wenger into the mix by saying yeah, he's still one of us as well he's quite powerful actually but but I don't think then we need a role for him at Arsenal I just think the um, there should be an open invite a seat there for him whenever he wants to turn up whenever
2: yeah. he wants whenever he wants to come and and the players obviously were were not focused in any way on politics which is why or maybe they were thinking about politics in the first half which is why <laughs> things didn't go quite as well I don't know maybe Arsenal <laughs> was going to see um, anyway anyway it all turned out quite nice in the end um, one question which is going to annoy you James um, but I'm asking you anyway Anyway, when do we start to believe in this team to, that they can that they can do something special this season? Because, and I'm only asking this because I see it in the team. They believe it. I know they believe it. I know when they when they heard about Man City losing to Brentford and the way that the bus reacted. We talked about this, I think, on a podcast before the World Cup. This is a team that believes that they can go the whole way. Isn't our job at this point to just go? Go on then.
3: I think if you believe it, I can't tell you you're wrong at this point in time because the team are doing so well and playing such good football at both ends of the pitch. They can win the league. Does it require Manchester City to maybe slip up a bit more than you might expect? Probably, but that doesn't seem beyond the realms of possibility. So at this stage, you know, Arsenal are in a title race. And listen, if you believe it and you believe they can do it, power to you I'm not going to stop you I I still have my personal hesitations and I still am prone to looking at where we are in relation to the top four as well as where we are in terms of the title (laughs) but that's a, a, a conservatism within me and you know I think you're right I think the players do absolutely believe it and the manager is not doing very much to dissuade people from talking about it, he has a lot of opportunities in press conferences to play it down, to say, No, 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 we're just thinking about the Champions League. He doesn't do that. And I think that's very, very telling.
2: And the fact is, sorry, Adrian, the fact is, so many other pundits are now having, starting to have that discussion. And it's sort of weird that we don't, in a way.
1: Yeah, we've been, we've been keen to play it down. As a, you know, me particularly, I don't want, I don't want to chink. So you don't want to get too too carried away but the points total is astonishing at the moment we are on for 101 points that mm. that is the level that we've performed at across the first 15 games if we perform like that for the remaining matches we'll end up on 101 points which is just just staggering really given where we've been in recent years so we have a right to be excited i think yeah let's let's consider ourselves absolutely part of a title race but most of all just enjoy it not put too much pressure on ourselves to stay at the top, but ju- to just embrace and enjoy the experience of being part of 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 such an exciting thing, and and see where it lands us. If we think like champions, we might end up being champions. That is, you know, that's that's an obvious thing. Um, this is
2: the point I, wa- I was sort of making. Go on, James.
1: Well, I was just going to say that.
3: You know, the mentality and the the win that Arsenal produced against West Ham, the nature of the comeback, was kind of title-winning material. You know, that was something you would associate with a top, top team. And I think Adrian's right. I think it's driving the team on to produce this level of consistency. The knowledge that they are in a race with such a irresistible force as Manchester City. They know that every point is absolutely precious. And it seems to be... Sharpening focus and sharpening mind. So at the moment, yeah, I, I think it's actually helping us to maintain the momentum. I do think, just as a word of caution, that the next few weeks, the next month or so, January is going to be hugely important. When you look at the the level of opposition that we face, you've got yeah. Newcastle, Tottenham, Manchester United. If we get to the end bright of January,
2: Brighton away is not a gimme. Yes. No, are you
3: not right? absolutely not. So if you get to the end of January. And we're still talking about this level of consistency. We'll be at beyond the halfway mark probably by then. I think everyone in the country is going to be talking about Arsenal as potential title winners, let alone the Arsenal fans.
2: Plus, of course, we could add some serious talent to the ranks in the next couple of weeks. The Mihailo Mudrik transfer saga has definitely begun. We've made a we've made a decent offer, not apparently enough for Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, Adrian, it's exciting, isn't it? I mean I mean we are now one of the most attractive clubs if not the most attractive club in Europe for young talent. If Mudric comes I mean, I've seen YouTube clips of him. I saw him against Celtic, I love the way he plays. He obviously wants to come to the Arsenal. I mean, it is brazen, isn't it? Really, it is Mourinho-esque walking down the touchline at Old Trafford, saying, "Please give me the job." He'll add something to this team, though, won't he?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Now I've seen him a few times and really like what I see. He's got electric pace, uh, but he's also got that that work ethic that Mikel Arteta would would demand. He'd, he'd track back and he'd do his bit bit for the team. He's a left winger, so that you immediately think, well. Martinelli's been brilliant so what happens there he can drive down the middle as well as can Martinelli so you'd have two two superb options down that particular flank could he play down the middle maybe I think that's 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 a potential but yeah he'd, he'd be a phenomenal impact player for the second half of the season maybe from the bench to start with until he would Earn his place in the starting eleven by right. I think he's too good a prospect to walk away from, even though he might not be the position that we need the most. I think he's a player that is only likely to increase his value over the next four or five years as well. So let's get in, get him on board. He clearly wants to, to wants to come and 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 let's yeah, let's let's use him because. Our bench doesn't have many game changers, especially at the moment. And I think we need to beef it up on the whole brazenness of it. I think it was a really smart move him posting on Instagram, by the way, that he was watching the Arsenal game. What he's doing here, because Shakhtar are effectively tra- trying to not deny him his move, but they're trying to get the highest price. They're trying to create a bidding war. And, and what he's doing is killing any hopes they have of having a bidding war because he's saying there's only one club I want to go to. And that's going to put off competitors because he's a good player. Lots of other clubs have got eyes on him. But if they think his heart is set on Arsenal, it's going to lessen their interest clearly and effectively drive drive the price down. So I think what, what he's done is quite smart. And he wouldn't be surprised if, if his agent has advised him to carry on with this sort of game that he's playing. Because if, if Shakhtar realise there's only one team that he's going to end up at, then they're going to find it hard to harder to hardball us.
2: And James, in terms of that relationship with the fans, when, I'm saying when, if and when he arrives, that's going to be helped by doing the sort of stuff he's doing on Instagram, right?
3: I'm sure. And I'm sure that'll be playing its part in motivating him to want to make that move. I mean, there are a lot of reasons to want to join Arsenal right now, but I'll always remember when Gabriel, the centre-half, Big Gabby signed, he said, you know, I was linked with other clubs, but as soon as it was Arsenal... I was inundated with messages telling me I had to come and play for this team. And I think that's an increasingly common experience. Arsenal is a massive club and players, as soon as they're linked, they find out about that via social media pretty swiftly. So, yeah, I think, listen, he's obviously keen to make the move. And Arsenal are obviously keen to have him as soon as possible. I don't think you would make a bid at the level that they've made, no. you know, 60, 65 million euros before the window even opens, unless you wanted him in the door quickly. The difficulty, of course, is in some respects, they've sort of shown their hand to Shakhtar. Shakhtar are fully aware that Arsenal want him in quickly. And if they want him quickly, they might have to pay a a premium. So it's going to be a bit of a game, this negotiation. And my suspicion is it may drag a little, uh, you know, run a little longer than is ideal. But I do hope we can sign him because like Adrian, I think he's a... A really exciting, unique talent, and everything I've seen of him. I saw him uh, play against Scotland last summer in the in the playoffs, and yeah, he's just a uh, he's a he's sort of player who, a bit like Jose Reyes when he signed mid January, you know, he just had that quality that you could introduce him in the second half of a game, and he could unlock something. And I think Mudrick potentially uh could be a, a similar level of talent for us
2: looking for uh, positives as well from what happened at the weekend oh well whenever it was monday you lose track of days at this time <laughs> of uh, in this time of the year um uh Josh and Stan in the director's box do you think that Josh has basically decided to bring Stan Cronker along and say look what I'm doing dad uh, we need a bit more cash possibly for Mudrick uh, do you think there's something
1: in that I don't know I mean yeah James might I don't know I, t- I tend not to think too much about the Cronkies I mean James <laughs> James is pretty a little bit closer to it with the work that he does but yeah it does from the outside looking in it, it does look does look that way doesn't it and everyone in those positions of authority at us, so you've got to say they are doing Doing a, a really Splendid solid job, job as well as well as the player, so um, yeah, job. yeah, really happy with the recruitment. But but now is the time from this position of strength to just keep go like go bigger. That that's well, my view. Is,
2: yes, this is the point. But also, by the way, uh, uh, to sign the uh, the to get the contract sorted for uh, Saka and Martinelli and Saliba, and I know Ramsdale. The discussion is also the beginning. James, I mean, I've asked you this before, but uh, Arsenal fans, they are going to worry about this stuff until it's sorted out. But I don't get a sense that, that Bukayo Saka or Gabriel Martinelli would leave Arsenal in any situation. William Saliba, I think, is a slightly more interesting case. I think there's still maybe a slight hangover there from what happened to him in the past, or am I reading too much into it?
3: I think that's a reasonable concern, given everything he went through and the nature of his relationship with the manager in that period. But you have to say that he looks very at home in an Arsenal shirt right now. I think Arsenal are confident in each case. And I think, you know, there's good reason for them to be. But as long as they're unsigned, there will be that anxiety and... You know, the World Cup, I think, um, was a bit of an obstacle in terms of negotiations and slowed things down. I hope the January transfer window doesn't become one as well. You know, the focus on recruitment is important, but focus on retention is key too. And actually, you know, if Arsenal could announce a new contract for a Bukai Saka or a William Saliba, I think that would energise and lift the supporters and the club as a whole as much as a January signing in some respects. So let's hope it's a big emphasis because those deals do need to get done sooner rather than later. They're of massive importance to everything that's going on at Arsenal right now.
1: I I agree. I think it would be a real boost ahead of the running to announce a sort of raft of renewals. Because these aren't players that are going to sit on better contracts and suddenly put their feet up, are they? They're they're so driven. They're still on the rise, these players. And and I think it is vital just to take that uncertainty away. The only one I'm really slightly worried about is is Wanierey. I know that he, he is very much a wanted young man and because of his age it is easier to to price him away from Arsenal for a sort of compensation fee rather than having to pay the big bucks. I, I think that Wanier's inclusion in the game at Brentford yes. owes owes something to heavy interest from other clubs around the Premier League in him. So um, yeah, I think Mikel Arteta and the and the guys have got to sort of continue to make him feel that he's very much part of it, which seems crazy for a kid that's that's so, that's so young. But because he's so sought after, they've got to make sure that, it, that he sticks around. But look, if he if if he goes, and I'm not saying he's going to, if he goes, then you know, he wouldn't be the first first at, at that age to move on and and go for a different challenge. But um, yeah, hopefully he can sign too.
3: In, in 10 years' time, I'll be picking him as the academy player I wish we could bring back, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 uh, it is a, a sort of paradox, isn't it, that the better the first team does and is doing, in some ways, the harder it is to convince yep. an academy player that there's a pathway for them. You know.
2: Well, Hang on. It, I mean, we've got a lot of first-teamers who've come through, or some first-teamers who've yeah. come through the academy, which does show that there is a pathway. It's different if you're in the academy at Chelsea, say, 10, 15 years ago, when they're spending big bucks on Drogba and Carvalho and what have you. Whereas with our team, they can see there's a possibility.
3: That's true. Although I'd say that you know the likes of Saka, uh, Smith-Rowe, and to an extent Martinelli their breakthroughs came in periods where we were relatively in the doldrums, you know. Uh, we <laughs> weren't, at me. Yeah. yeah no, but, and, and I think now, you we know, we're talking about, well, we might go out and spend 70 million quid That's on true. a winger in a January transfer window. It's one of the most, you know, sought-after talents in the world. So you Might
2: not even get in the first team straight away. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm sure the exceptional academy talents will still make the grade. They always do. Cesc Fabregas broke into the Invincible squad, effectively. But... It's just an interesting dynamic that as you progress and you become an elite level club, keeping the expectations of the young players uh, in check is something you have to, to wrestle with.
2: Yes. Uh, you know what? The, the, the management, and, I t- and when I say the management, I'm talking about from Mikel Arteta through to the board are doing a splendid job. I genuinely feel that at the moment. And so uh, uh, hopefully that goes right the way through to to a Osaka and Jack Wilshere with the kids as well. So um, uh, let's hope that it all gets sorted out positively. Let's have a um, song uh, before we go. Adrian, what cheesiness for <laughs> cheese. <laughs> I don't think it's cheese. Che- I don't, I don't think you this is cheese. I, I, you
1: got, <laughs> I don't think I've gone for a cheesy one this time. <laughs> um, um, Arsene Wenger, sort of his return inspired me here. Uh, it's Feel the Love from Rudimental uh, with John Newman. Um I just think it was one of those moments where he really did feel the love inside Emirates Stadium. And in, and in general, at the moment, I think the team are feeling the love from the fans as well. So, yeah, look, it's, it's a good tune. I quite like it. And uh, yeah, I think it's quite apt for uh, Arsene Wenger's return. Quite. Uh, James?
3: I went in a different direction, actually, and I picked a song, I was thinking of uh, Nketiah, I picked a song called Eddie by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which uh, was actually written as tribute to eddie van halen but uh works just as well for our current center forward
2: eddie van halen who i believe played guitar on michael jackson hits i might be wrong about that um Yeah, well, as you're talking about Arsene Wenger, I could have chosen Welcome Home by Peters and Lee. Anyone over 65, we can, oh, yeah, that's right, a blind bloke. That's right, yeah, Peters and Lee. And uh, uh, they saying welcome home. But I've actually gone for The Beat Goes On, Sonny and Cher. The Beat Goes On. The Beat
1: Goes On.
2: Sonny and version is the most 60s thing you will ever see. I mean, it looks like it came straight off of Mike Myers' film set, to be honest with you. But it is, it's is—it's genuine because I just, as we said right at the start of the podcast, the way they picked up, the way they picked up, I mean, even, if, even in the first half when we weren't, when it wasn't quite happening in the final bit of the pitch, the movement was still sharp and the way that it, and it just looked like it, it was a week after the Wolves game. So... um that's how I'm feeling about the Arsenal at the moment. Brighton away on Saturday. Uh, fingers crossed for that one as well. But it, I'm feeling confident at the moment. I'm assuming you guys are as well. Uh, that's it. Handbrake Off is a production for The Athletic. I've never said that before. I don't know why <laughs> Anyway, it is. Handbrake Off is a production for The Athletic. Thanks to Adrian. Thanks to James. Thanks to Guy, our producer. And uh, enjoy the rest of your holidays. I'm Ian Stone. See you soon.